So if you're a product manager and looking to get into product leadership, as you might know, it's not easy at all to switch and the skill sets are completely different. Now, in this episode, we'll get into this topic in detail to talk about the qualities of a product leader and a strategy that you can apply today on how to prep yourself to become a product leader. Now, my guest today is Parul Guel. Parul is a product leader at PayPal. She currently heads payments for the PayPal commerce platform and other price products she helped build from the scratch. She's passionate about innovating in the enterprise product space. In her career spanning over 15 years, Perul has been part of several complex product builds. Some have been very successful, while others have served as great life lessons. Now, Perul loves to travel and cannot wait to get back to a plane, hopefully on our way to somewhere new and exciting. So get ready, guys, for a fun chat today with Perul Guel on how to prep for product leadership. Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Shirazian, and welcome to PM Hub Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing you fresh and unique insights from product leaders and tech entrepreneurs. All right, Parul, welcome to PM Hub. Thank you, Cyrus, for having me. 100%. I'm very excited to talk with you about like product leadership and how you can prepare for it. Uh, but I guess, you know, we all have different journeys into product, and I'm curious to know what was your journey like? Yes, absolutely. So I also had a rather long-winded journey to to product management. Um, so my educational background is in computer science. In fact, I have a master's in computer science. Nice. And I started my career as an engineer. Uh, and But, you know, within the first few months, I knew that this is not for me. Like, that wasn't my calling. Uh, I enjoyed it, but... Uh, I was decent at it. I wasn't great at it. And then my manager at the time suggested, oh, you know, uh, why don't you consider being a product manager? You have strong technical skills. You have strong communication skills. And those are really the, the foundations for, for being a strong PM. Uh, at the time, I ended up joining uh, consulting, though, as a business analyst. Uh, and so I did that for many years. I was in consulting for many years. And actually, it was consulting where I surprisingly developed some, some foundational PM skills, like, you know, um, executing under constraints. Because we, usually in consulting, you have a strict constraint of budget and timeline that you have committed to. So executing with those constraints. And also really, like really getting to know your stakeholders, who are the decision makers, who are the influencers, because these are the kind of things that make you successful in consulting. So, so that was my second career after my brief career as an engineer, then many years as a consultant. And then I decided to go in-house because, you know, the traveling for my, my uh, consulting gig was just getting too much. And I was referred to PayPal by an ex-coworker. And this is, the, this is where the luck played a role uh, in me becoming a product manager because I interviewed for a position of program management at PayPal. But most of my interview, I actually talked about my business analyst experience because that's what I had done. And because of that, they ended up offering me a job as a product manager because they thought I had the skills and the experience for the job. So it was my years of uh, experience as a business analyst, but I have to say it was also luck that I ended up as a product manager. Yeah, 
No, that's that's super cool. Now, just just I mean, I I think I'm still not super clear on the difference of what the program manager versus product manager. Would you mind just give us a quick the kind of uh, background and kind of like how different these two are? Yeah, Sarah, actually, that's a really good question because these definitions and R&Rs do differ quite a bit based on the company. But I'll tell you what my understanding is. In, as a product manager, we are really responsible for identifying the right problem to solve for and then finding the solution to that problem, right? As a, at a, as a core PM, that's what we are responsible for. Mm-hmm. As a program manager, your, the responsibility is more to make sure that the, the product or the, in, in the um, initiative gets delivered on time that all of the needed parties, all of the dependencies come to the table, they commit to it, they follow through on those commitments. So it's more of a facilitation role, still super important, but less concerned with what is being built and how it is being built, rather than when is it being built and who is building it. I see. No, that's super clear. And thanks for clarifying that. Uh, Cool. So uh, now you're at PayPal. Yeah, tell us a bit more about your role at PayPal currently. Yeah, so this I have been at PayPal for over eight years and I have had multiple roles at PayPal. But for the last five years, I have been a part of the team uh, that built uh, our commerce platform for partners. So this is PayPal's product, which is targeted towards marketplaces, shopping carts. And I own the payments and monetization platform for this product. And, uh, you know, this this product is very close to my heart because I am part of the team that built this product from launch, uh, from start. We piloted it, you know, we grew and scaled it. And today we have over 200 successful integrations. Uh, so something that I'm super proud of. And I have, I have supported different parts of it over the years. Right now it's payments and monetization. Very cool. And it always feels really good to start something from the very beginning and then launch, kind of scale it to that level that you've done it. Uh, that's super cool. Now let's just dive right into the topic. Kind of like let's let's clear off some of the misunderstandings first. So what is the difference between a product manager and a product leader? And how is it related to the org structure? Yeah, so that's a, that's a very good question, Saris. And I have to say, it also took a while for me to understand uh, the difference between product management and product leadership. And, uh, and especially as a product manager, this does get a little bit tricky because uh, to succeed as a product manager, you need to act like a leader. You need leadership skills. You need to be able to set the vision for whatever area product feature you own. You need to be able to sell that vision. You need to be able to bring the right people to the table. So all product managers just through their role are leaders right? because you need leadership qualities to succeed. But as you grow in your career, right, then there, there, then there is a distinction between being a product manager and a product leader, right? And depending on the company you're part of, your scope, et cetera, there could be a few things that could cl- clarify this distinction, right? For example, it could be your title, right? In company, certain companies, uh, after a certain level, for example, maybe director plus uh, uh, role holders uh, are considered leaders. Right. So your title could be an indication. 
uh, whether you are a people manager or not, that could be an indication. Now, although I would add that in several larger companies, now there is an alternate track where you could be a product leader even as an IC. So while people management can be an indicator, it's by no means the norm, like or not, not by no means a hard and fast rule, right? But usually product leaders have teams. And, uh, but I think that the clearest indicator is what are you responsible for, right? Your scope, the kind of impact that you have. As a product manager, we focus quite a bit on our product. Uh, as a product leader, your focus is more on the company's goals and how do you enable them on if through the product so maybe you're responsible for pnl for product and loss so that could be another indicator uh, of you making the transition yeah no that makes that makes super uh, total sense and also i remember I, I had a startup back in the day and yeah i, w- I was a chief product yeah. officer but then it was kind of like maybe two or three people and we were kind of all chiefs right so uh we just kind of <laughs> it was funny to kind of like to look at look back at it right but uh yeah i get your point now Get into the kind of like a little bit more on the strategy side, Peru. Like, mm-hmm. how uh, do you kind of like go about becoming a product leader? What are like some of the skills that you know are necessary to become one? Yeah. So you know, this is this is the uh, Cyrus. I, I love this question because I do feel like becoming a product leader. A few things have to come together. Uh, one is. Uh, like I mentioned, that if you're starting your own, of course, you can become a chief product officer. But usually a few years of experience does help because, you know, it gives you exposure to uh, how products are built. What are some of the challenges you can expect, how to develop product strategy, how to work with stakeholders. Like there's just so many things that go into be- being a product manager. So on the ground experience definitely helps. Uh, the second thing is there has to be an opportunity, right? And, you know, this is sometimes sometimes a, a little bit uh, hard to accept that maybe you have the experience, maybe you have the skills, but there has to be a role for a product leader available for you to step into, right? So this is where a little bit of timing and a little bit of luck also comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but finally, really what you need to become a product leader and also succeed as a product leader is the right skills, right? And there obviously there are tons of skills that leaders need to succeed. Uh, but I, I feel like there are three that, that I find core are being able to manage a broader scope because as a product leader, that's what you are expected to do. Um, number two is dealing with ambiguity, right? Making decisions when the picture is not quite clear. That's another thing as leaders you will be responsible for. And in general, bringing thought leadership, right? Uh, Helping your company, your product, your team move forward, like being helping them see the future is also something that will help you establish you as a leader, help you succeed as a leader and really develop a brand and name for yourself. Yeah, that's no, super interesting. And kind of like from what I'm hearing, you almost are kind of like have to position yourself as, you know, let's say you're a PM product manager right now, you want to become a product leader, you have to already demonstrate leadership. Uh, you are mm-hmm. obviously doing that as part of like, you know, your typical PM role, but you have to kind of like take those steps further to kind of like on the, you know, broader scope, dealing with ambiguity and thought leadership while you are a PM to kind of like set yourself up to become a solid candidate for that role, let's say if it comes up 
uh, at, their, at your company, right? Oh, absolutely. I think we are lucky that way that as in our roles, there is so much scope, right? I mean, one of the benefits of being a PM is it's a pretty loosely defined role. So you can pick what you want to work on, you know, how much of it do you want to do yourself versus delegate? So there is a lot of opportunity to try these, you know, the developing these skills, practicing the, these skills in at whatever level you are in today, right? And the more, number one, the more you practice, the better you will get, the more comfortable you will get with them. But the second thing is uh, people around you, the decision makers, the people who make these decisions around who does what, will also notice your comfort around these skills. And so when there is an opportunity, uh, you, you, would all, you would be considered a, a candidate who's ready. So it's definitely good for your own development, but also for your career development. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I could totally relate to that myself. It wasn't too long ago I kind of brought up this topic uh, to my boss talking about, hey, I want to I want to do some AI work. Okay. And let me and he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll look out. Yeah, let's let's see what we can do to kind of like get you some of those stuff. I'm like, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's>, nice. <laughs> nice. And, you know, Cyrus, I don't know. I mean, I. Uh, I in the, all of the companies that I have worked at, the expectation is that you already need to be performing at the next level to get to the next level, yeah. right? So, so if you work for somebody that has that approach, then obviously being able to do more in your current role is going to help you uh, achieve your goals. Yeah, makes super sense. Cool. So, if if you were to kind of like dig a bit deeper and tell us about these uh, three high high level skills, Paul, how, how would you go about it? Yeah, so let's start uh, managing a broader scope. So, you know, as as as, as when you become a product leader, uh, you can have a large impact, and that's because your sphere of influence, right, what you are working on, what you what you have direct authority over, goes up. Uh, but what I have realized through personal experience is that the skill to, to manage a broader scope is something that we need to invest in learning, right? And the, what the challenge is that you have to do some unlearning as a product manager to become a product leader, right? Because uh, how do we succeed at, as product managers? By doing, right? We kind of deliver results. We show we can do it. We can, we can actually do more. But when you're managing a broader scope, it's, it's impossible for you to do all of it by yourself. Right. So you kind of have to change your mindset. You're no longer a doer. You're more of an enabler. And this making this transition uh, emotionally, mentally can be very hard. And I, you know, I can I can give you my example. When sure. I became a product leader a few years ago, uh, my manager kept giving me more work. Right. And I was like, like, what is she thinking? Like, there is absolutely no way I can do this. And it took me, and it was very, I was very frustrated. I was very upset. And it took me a while to understand, oh, she doesn't expect me to do it. She expects me to get it done. So right. it's not a, she wasn't expecting me to like work day and night. She was expecting me to kind of be more creative, use my influencing skills and find other people who could help me get it done. Right. So, and that's a pretty common journey from product manager to product leader. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. So, so you know, then over time that I learned, okay, so if I don't have to do it, I have to find others to do it. 
uh, how do I do that? So that does mean, you know, obviously uh, you have to have a good intuition about what's critical, what's super important, because you do want to keep that piece with you. But what are the other things that can be easily delegated? So kind of take a look at your portfolio, have like have an opinion of what you want to keep for yourself versus what do you want to delegate. When you delegate, this is something, you know, delegation is, uh, it takes work where you have to make sure the other person understands, uh, you know, what is the goal of the exercise? You know, what does success look like? What are you expecting out of them? What does the timeline look like? So make sure that they have a very clear picture of, of what the end result look like. What, you know, what, do, what are they trying to do? Uh, and, you know, this was, I remember there was a, when I was in consulting, I was mentoring this young PM and uh, he was writing a functional spec, right? This was, this was very waterfall. We used to write these long documents. Right. And uh, so he wrote this document and, and then uh, when I reviewed it, it was completely wrong. Oh my gosh. I had to, I actually had to stay up all night and finish it because we had a customer commitment. And my manager was like, if you had spent maybe double the time in delegation, it would have saved you a lot more time uh, in future. So learning to delegate is also an important skill. Like what you hear so far, make sure to never miss an episode by clicking on the subscribe button now. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like yourself, and I'm thankful for your support. Now let's head back to the show. Yeah, no, I love how you put it down and kind of like making it super clear when you're delegating kind of like, yeah, you do, you might do a bit more work up front, yes. but then it yeah. will save you a lot more time down the line possibly, right? So that's and great. Paris, what happens is when, you, if you make time for delegation, if you do the work up front, then you're also training your team, right? You're also in some ways educating them, teaching them how, you know, how do you want something done? So over time, as you work with that team, this investment will actually go down because they already know what you expect. Yeah. But to begin with, you do have to put in the work. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's kind of like long-term perspective. You kind yeah. of do that knowledge transfer and then it's going to end up opening up more time for yourself, right? Maybe the first time you yeah. spend, I don't know, five hours, maybe the second time it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep dropping until to a point where actually, you know, they're self-sufficient, right? Hopefully so. Yeah. That's super cool. Cool. So managing broader scope, awesome. So next one, dealing about dealing with ambiguity. How do how do you go about actually uh, deal with that? I guess. Yeah. So you know this this also uh, presents a rather difficult challenge for many product leaders because in the early days of our career, right, the problems that we get, we the problems we get delegated or assigned are pretty well defined. You know, go solve for this product. Uh, a customer problem or go build this feature or optimize for this customer segment, optimize for this OKR. But when you become a product leader, you are the ones who has to pick you know, which segment, which OKR you're going to solve for. And these problems are not as well defined. Right. So there is, so of course, you have indicate market indicators, you have data, you have your intuition, uh, but it's not going to be a straightforward decision. Right? There is going to be some ambiguity. And, uh, and you know, when, when I am in a position, when I used to be in positions where I had to make decisions in the beginning, I used to find it really scary. I was, uh, I was just really worried about making the wrong decision. 
And it felt like, you know, I was picking a direction in a fog. And then eventually when the fog would lift, I would realize I have gone really far in the in the, the wrong direction. And I have also misled the team, right? So there is that additional responsibility. Mm. So, uh, so the tendency is to wait. And, and you know, I remember uh, I joined this new product team and uh, I, I was assigned this, this product initiative that I was leading, but there were already three PMs on that initiative. And so I wasn't quite clear what my role was, right? So I didn't really want to step on other people's toes. So I kind of just waited to see, oh, you know, maybe it will become clear what I had to do. But if, as a leader, you don't have that privilege, right? You don't have the time to wait because others are waiting for direction from you. So as a leader, you have to learn to get over yourself, get over all of these, this fear of looking bad, fear of misleading, uh, and kind of say, okay, I have indicators, I have some information, I am going to take a calculated risk and make a decision. Right. So, so I think that that is you kind of have to tell yourself that cost of inaction is going to be more than of the cost of taking the wrong action. You can course correct even if you pick the wrong path. So that's with the the dealing with ambiguity. You're not going to have very clear cut answers. You know, you have to kind of figure out that you still have to make a decision and when are you ready to make a decision. Yeah, they say they say what they say. Uh, a well-crafted question is already fifty percent of the answer. That's something like that. So. Oh, that's a really yeah. I haven't heard that, but it makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah I can no. see that. Yeah, hundred percent. I've I've come to realize that myself as well. Like, uh, you know, instead of like, you know, when I want to think about, I want to kind of frame a question. You know, the first maybe one, one once or twice, and thinking about it, it's not as clear. But the more I spend time on it to actually craft it actually it ends up actually giving yeah. myself the answers you know that's the funny part you know so uh by just like framing the right right question right so uh that's cool awesome now, I mean, do you do you have like any any uh kind of like uh examples from your career that you'd like to share with us at this you know when, when you were dealing with ambiguity and then kind of like i guess so audience could relate more to this yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, just this this happened a, a few months ago. I was leading a product strategy exercise where uh, we had three products in the market and we were trying to decide that to simplify it for cu- our customers, we want to lead with one. That was our goal. Right. Mm. So which one should we go with? Right. And because I was the um, the uh, I was the lead for the customer segment. I was leading this exercise, right? And this was a difficult one because number one, there was a large group of stakeholders who were invested in this decision, right? Our integration teams, our sales team, our product teams, uh, you know, and three products, they were all great products. There was no clear next step. And the the third thing is uh, two of those products I had helped with. Right. And one I hadn't. So but I also wanted to make sure that that this this whole process was as objective as possible. And so it was an intimidating exercise. But, you know, this I kind of knew that I had to do two or three things really well to succeed. Uh, One was being super clear about the goal for myself but also making sure my stakeholders, my working team, they all know what are we marching towards. Right. So 
that was the first one, right? Just getting clarity. And usually this kind of clarity comes from your leaders, right? Where in our case, it was pretty clear that they needed, they wanted a recommendation of which product we want to, to move forward with. So that was my first step. The second one was defining the framework, right? So how do we get the answer that we are, we are, uh, we are marching towards? Now, this is where in my a lot of time can be spent on, right? Because, you know, to solve any problem, there are so many different ways. And, and especially if you have a very opinionated vocal set of stakeholders, this is, this can be a time sink. So what I did was I worked backwards from the the goal and I, I came back, came up with a framework, right? So who are our customers? What are their needs? Uh, what are the sub segments? You know, how do each of these products map against them? And then kind of say, okay, based on these things, you know, a very, a very objective way to right. get to the goal. Um, and so while I opened it up to my stakeholders for some feedback, I time bound it because I, I knew that's where we could go wrong. Right. And then it was a matter of once you have alignment on the goal, once you have alignment on the framework, keeping everybody focused there on it, right? Because once you have, so it's like, you know, your goal is your the mountain you're trying to climb. Your framework is the, the path, the, you know, the track that you have picked. Then it's just a matter of staying the course, right? And eventually two things will happen. Either you will get the answer you're looking for, or you will kind of figure out, oh, wait, right? I have picked the wrong path. And then you will be able to course correct, right? But my, my so as long, as soon as the goal is clear, I have somewhat of an idea of what framework I want to take. Really, the main part is to start taking action, to start executing. So that's what I did here. And it thankfully, it worked for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, I love actually that how how there's there's a lot of, I think when it comes to the ideals of like how something should be done versus how you actually do it, there's a big gap and I've noticed, but it's, it's great to hear that, you know, you, you, you walk the talk and basically follow, follow the same uh, framework. And that's, 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 I guess the a big takeaway is that, you know, it's, there's one thing you will learn about these great, great approaches that you're sharing with us, but also you take an action on those and making sure you're following those and kind of like, uh, you know, the, yeah. So that's just, just something that I love you took that approach. That's awesome. So Cyrus, you know, I want to share something. So I, I don't think decision making comes to me naturally. Uh, this is something that I, I do tend to be discovers. Uh, so somebody told me this, and I don't know if it's factually correct or not. I will be honest, but to me, at least, it painted a ma- mental picture that has helped me. And you know, this was a career coach, and he told me that you know, if an airplane, the most damage in terms of rusting, etc., happens to a plane when it's you know when it's on the ground when it's parked if a plane is flying right even if it's flying in the wrong direction there are course correctors that will actually push it in the right direction so like his his advice to me was be a plane that's in motion be a plane that picks the direction and starts flying and have confidence that you will be able to course correct so whenever I find myself just, you know, in the grips of a dilemma where I can't make up my mind, I'm in analysis paralysis, that's yeah. the picture I recall, that I want to be a plane in motion. And that usually helps me. Yeah, no, I love that. That's such a good example. Thanks for sharing. Um, 
Cool. So we talked about managing a broader scope, dealing with ambiguity. The third one, thought leadership. What are we talking about here? Yeah, so thought leadership is a very interesting one. It's also one of the more intangible ones, right? And there, there are several definitions of uh, thought leadership out there. And I, I'll tell you what I mean when I say thought leadership. Uh, what it means is that you take your experience, you take your learnings, and you're able to extract them and generalize them so others can also apply it, right? So, for example, uh, you know, in your, you can be a domain expert, right? Where you can say, well, in general, payments, this is what happens. In payments, uh, you know, uh, auth rate is super important, right? So that could be a sign of, of thought leadership. Uh, frameworks, you can define frameworks. Whoever came up with the pro-con analysis, something that's widely used, brought thought leadership to that process. They said, oh, this is a method that usually works, so we can just, you know, uh, formalize it. It can become something, it's a, gen a generic framework that anyone can apply. So that's another way to to uh, contribute through thought leadership. Uh, Cyrus, does that make sense? Oh yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, and so as, as you grow in your career, thought leadership becomes Super important, super important. And, and you know, I'll give you a, an example. So imagine you go into a meeting, right? And in a meeting, you will find there are three types of people. There are people who are just, who are very passive, who are listening, right? And nothing wrong with that, but that's the role they have chosen. Then there are people who want to contribute, but are not sure if they're right, they're hesitant. So they kind of, they have opinions, they don't share it. Right. And then there are the group who have opinions, who take a risk, and who do share it. Right? And so thought leadership will put you in the last category because what it says is you have something to say and you think it's important enough that you actually say it, right? Which doesn't mean taking a little bit of risk. It does mean that you could be wrong, but you're willing to take that risk and put your thoughts and opinions out there. So that's what thought leadership is just on a bigger scale. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And actually on the last one you mentioned, I, I took a workshop a few days ago on assertive inquiry. And the, one of the main takeaways of that was that always have that approach when you want to share your opinion. You can just start off by saying, I have an opinion that's worth hearing, yeah. but I might be missing something. Right. Yeah. And that just like puts you in a position where, hey, you know what? I'm not coming here telling you I know everything. Yeah. But I yeah. you know, I might be I might have some assumption assumptions, but that's just I want to put it out there. And it's kind of like perfectly aligns yeah. with what you were saying, right? Oh, absolutely yes, absolutely. I think yeah, you can always say, well, based on my experience or from what I have seen before, this is something I have seen work in other areas. So you can always kind of qualify it as saying that, okay, and based on my experience, that's the case, you're not really saying it's an absolute fact. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, awesome. Now, what's your final advice for our listeners, Paru? For the three skills that I talked about, you don't have to be a product leader to practice them. Like start practicing them today, start making decisions today, and then vet them with your manager. Right. Start. Uh, even if you have a defined scope, ask your manager, I can do more. And then start putting in that thought of, OK, how do I delegate? How do I find other people? Right. Start being a thought leader wherever you are today. So all of these skills are amplified when you have become a leader. But all of them, 
each and every one of them, you can start working on them, you can start practicing them today. So that yeah. would be my advice. Don't wait for the title. Don't wait, wait for anybody to tell you now you're a product leader. Become a product leader today with whatever you have. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much. Farrell. So how, how do you how do you help uh, product managers out there? How do I help product yeah. managers out there? Yeah, you have a course, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I do have a course. So I have a course uh, on this topic from product managers, how to become how to become a product leader. And so here I have talked about three principles that I talk about five principles. I also talk about influencing and making decisions. And it just goes into a little bit more details about these skills, right? What are they? Uh, what do they look like? And then what can you do in your role today to start developing them? Uh, and it's, it, you know, this course can be found on uh, Network Capital. And Cyrus, I can share a link with you sure. if, uh, if you want to include it in the, the show notes. 100%. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, Parul, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about how to prep for product leadership. Yes, absolutely, Cyrus. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode of PMH Podcast, guys. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, feel free to share on your social media, LinkedIn, leave a five-star review so we can reach more audience. And if you have any suggestions, definitely send me an email. You can reach out to me at cyrus at productmanagerhub.org. Now you can get all the tips and action items of this episode for free at this bit link I'm going to give you. It's bit.ly forward slash pmhub26. Also subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I'm Cyrus Shirazian and until next show, stay safe and healthy.